Once again, we have stories emerging about Democrats freaking out. And this time it's because they think the upcoming election in November is going to be a repeat of 2016. And some think it's actually going to be worse than 2016. The reason? Well, for one, Bernie Sanders is refusing to drop out. And many Democrats feel like he's dragging them down and siphoning away support they need to defeat Donald Trump. Worse still, a new poll came out from ABC News showing that Joe Biden is polling with less enthusiasm than Hillary Clinton had in 2016. So yes, they are predicting a crushing defeat. Now, it all kind of feels meaningless. I I didn't know if this story was actually all that important because to be honest, we have much more pressing matters to deal with. We're in the midst of a national crisis, a global crisis, a major economic crisis, a health crisis. Should we really be talking about campaign season? I mean, the politicians themselves aren't actually campaigning. Well, the reality is yes. You see, these people are going to be leading the charge. Whoever gets elected will likely inherit all of these problems. Now, they say the peak of this will be in a few months, and maybe by November we're mostly out of it, but there still will be repercussions from everything we've done now. The people who get elected will be leading us, so it's more important than ever to discuss what's happening. There is some good news for Democrats. However, some bad news for the far left. Ocasio-Cortez seems to be breaking away with Bernie Sanders and the activist base to become a more moderate Democrat. Not necessarily moderate, she's still progressive, but she's praising Nancy Pelosi and backing away from going after Democrats on the whole. She's actually going after conservatives now, taking a more conventional approach. Now that could be to a certain degree bad news for Trump because it shows the far the rift between the far left and the moderates are kind of breaking down or closing. But Bernie Sanders is still in the race and is refusing to back down. Now, there is one potential contender that people keep touting, and it's Andrew Cuomo. You see, his approval rating is skyrocketing. And Democrats are saying he should be the real nominee. He, they, we should get him. We should draft him to run. Andrew Cuomo said no. Straight up, he said he's happy with where he is. He doesn't want to do it. But of course, people are still trying, saying Joe Biden should tap him as VP. While this is happening, There are conversations about why Trump is winning. And the New York Times said that it's because Trump and the GOP have won the internet. But of course, there are many people who are just in denial. So let's go through these stories and take a look at what the Democrats are saying about why they fear 2016 part two is coming. And I think it is. I really, really do. The first story from the Washington Post. Bernie Sanders says he's staying in the presidential race. Many Democrats fear a reprise of their 2016 defeat. Now, before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, share this video. Not that I think we can be all that successful in breaking echo chambers, but we got to try, right? Also, sharing the video just really, really helps my channel. And make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell. That way, YouTube actually notifies you when my videos come up. Hit the like button because actually that does really, really help. Let's read. The Washington Post reports, behind the growing fear Among many Democrats that Bernie Sanders' continued presence in the presidential race could spell doom in November is the belief that they've seen it happen before in the last campaign. The 2016 Democratic Convention was just about to get started when Sanders addressed his delegates. It was time to support her, he told his backers. They disagreed, booing loudly. Some stuck their thumbs down as TV cameras captured the extraordinary show of dissent, which would continue on the convention floor. To some Democrats in that campaign, it was a lesson learned the hard way about the limitations of Sanders' promise of support and the ferocity of his unbridled backers. Four years later, with a senator from Vermont still running against Joe Biden, despite almost impossible odds of victory, 
some party leaders are increasingly worried about a reprise of the bitter divisions that many Democrats blame for Hillary Clinton's loss. Quote, it was the equivalent of a World War II kamikaze pilot, said Philip Raines, a longtime advisor to Clinton. They have no better option than to plow into USS Biden. The judgment Sanders makes about his fate and the direction taken by his supporters could be among the most consequential decisions in the race, determining whether Democrats speak with one voice against a president who is already who is already aimed at November or squabble for months to come. Although Sanders has long pledged to do all he can to help the eventual nominee defeat President Trump, Democrats are still haunted by the last grueling battle, which didn't end after it became clear that Clinton would be the nominee and instead stretched into the summer convention and beyond. Then, as now, an impassioned band of Sanders supporters voiced their displeasure loudly and widely, sometimes echoing the harshest attacks of Trump and his allies with little reproach from Sanders. This is why I said it's good news that AOC is backing away. If the far left and the moderate Democrats can mend that rift, then there will be, to a certain degree, a stronger coalition against Donald Trump. And the reason why this is so important, even though it does feel like there are more pressing matters, is that whoever takes charge will inherit this problem. And we have to know they can handle this problem. Will Joe Biden be able to do it? Honestly, I don't think so. So yeah, this is very, very serious. And it's not just about the president but senators and members, uh, members of the House as well. There are many re-elections happening. So you better make sure you think long and hard about who you're going to vote for, because now is the most important time to consider the abilities, the leadership skills of these individuals. Quote, I just think it's a terrible decision for him to make because he looks very selfish, said former Democratic Senator Barbara Boxer of California, who backs Biden. If Sanders is genuine about going all in to defeat Trump, then get out. Some people close to Sanders voiced confidence that the senator would stay in the race until the July convention, though they said they had received no final word on his plans. Others close to the senator have sounded less certain of that, noting only that he continues to be a candidate for the moment. So the story goes on to talk about how there's actually some people who think it's going to be way, way worse than it was. It's a relatively long story. But let's take a look at the hard data. Why is it that they're going to lose. You have the cultural, colloquial kind of view, perspective, that Bernie Sanders drags them down. Well, the progressives would disagree. They'd say that there's no way Biden can win. He's being propped up by the establishment, and Bernie's the only one who can win. At least that's their belief. I happen to disagree. I don't think either of them can win. But take a look at this poll from ABC News, which I find, I find it kind of sad. Strong enthusiasm for Biden among those who back him over Trump is just 24%. But I tell you what, it's worse than that. In the levels of enthusiasm among Trump supporters, 53% of Trump supporters are very enthusiastic about Trump. Among Biden supporters, I'm doing air quotes here, 26% say they are not at all enthusiastic. 24%, even less, say they're very, and 49% say they're somewhat Joe Biden has successfully mustered a, eh, that's, that's the level of enthusiasm you're going to get. So do you think people are going to come out and vote for this guy in November? No, I think there'll be people who show up to the polls and just, you know, check the D box on their way down. But Trump supporters are going to come out in droves to support the man that they're very enthusiastic about. So yeah, I, I do think we're going to see 2016 all over again, but I, but I, I got to point out, I think Trump's going to landslide to, a, to an absurd degree. Now, I was skeptical when the whole crisis started, the, you know, the, the, the national emergency and stuff. But now that the polls show Trump has overwhelming support from the people, they agree with what he's doing. Now, I really do think is Trump, Trump is absolutely going to crush it. But an interesting twist, the far left is sort of collapsing 
And AOC is now lining up behind Pelosi, calling her the mama bear of the Democratic Party, which shocked a lot of progressives and leftists who aren't happy about it. The National Review says AOC drifts away from activist left toward a more conventional staff and political strategy. Now, you need to take this one seriously if you're a progressive and if you're a Trump supporter. Well, actually, everybody should pay attention to this. This is the waning of the progressive left. They are losing one of their firebrands. She's still a progressive, but she's falling in line, a more conventional approach, and she's breaking away from Bernie Sanders. This story from Huffington Post a couple weeks ago, AOC refused to campaign more for Bernie. She's lining up right behind Nancy Pelosi. We can see that I think this person is with Chapo Trap House. You know, essentially, the thing with AOC's susceptibility, susceptibility or e- even welcoming of bad faith concern trolling with the right language is totally is a totally different issue, I think. They're pointing out their criticisms of AOC, that she basically just falls in line. And this has been a trademark of her of her campaign, actually. After she got elected, she did start drifting away from the more hard left, far left uh, uh, policies and, and uh, perspectives and becoming a bit more mainstream. Now, not, not completely. She did still maintain the squad far left persona and perspective, but she did drift away and she was slammed for it. But now when it comes to the decisions people are making, we need to consider what the Democrats have done and how this will play a role in Trump's election. It's not just about Trump doing a good job on the coronavirus. It's about whether or not the Democrats have done a bad job. And I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, they have. Donald Trump tweeted, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats delayed the workers' help slash stimulus bill by over a week, trying to add real junk into the bill. Got some bad things having nothing to do with those affected by the virus, included. Republicans need their votes until we win back the House in 2020. The Democrats, they, 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 they jammed up this bill for a week and everyone knows it and they were upset about it. Worse still, the impeachment hurt Trump's response and we all know it. The Washington Post says, let's be honest, impeachment hurt Trump's response to coronavirus. They say President Trump has been roundly criticized for allegedly failing to prepare for the coronavirus crisis before it arrived in the United States. Those critics conveniently overlook something else that could have been distracting the president's attention during that crucial period. Impeachment. And yes, it did. Absolutely. You would have to be insane to deny it. Well, of course, there are many insane people denying it, but come on. Trump had to mount a defense. He needed lawyers on this. Before they actually went through with the trial, Trump was setting up a task force for the coronavirus. His response wasn't perfect, but literally everyone was downplaying the threat posed by the coronavirus. And now they're all, well, hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty. We all get it now. But Trump shut down travel from China and he was smeared for it. He was under, he was being impeached. He was, fought, he was mounting this defense. And yes, it distracted him. And this is on the Democrats. It was a BS phony impeachment and they have to own it. The polls show Donald Trump is doing really, really well. The past seven polls have Donald Trump in the majority for people saying they approve of his job in handling the coronavirus. He could have done better if not for the Democrats. They write, it seems forever ago, but Trump's impeachment was the major story in January and early February, the same time the disease was forcing China to lock down cities. Despite the near certainty that Republicans would not vote to convict the president, Democrats and most of the major media were almost entirely focused on impeachment. As a result, the White House was focused on addressing this threat to its survival, not on preparing for a threat from China that might never even materialize. Trump's efforts to prepare the nation for this pandemic has been far from perfect. But the one thing the president did do to stop the virus's spread, 
to the US during that period, stopping air travel from China was heavily criticized. Even former Vice President Joe Biden criticized the president's ban as hysterical xenophobia. At the time, partisan vituperation had reached a fever pitch because of impeachment. Given that impeachment managers were regularly calling Trump a king or incipient dictator, a more forceful response against the virus in January or early February likely wouldn't have gone over well. Oh, I believe it. Absolutely. If Trump said in late January, we have to shut things down for two weeks to prevent this virus, they would have torn him apart. When he finally came out and said, we are going to be suspending travel from Europe, they screamed, he's inciting panic. It's bigotry. It's xenophobia. It's just him trying to pass his agenda to lock the borders down. And now they're demanding Trump take more aggressive actions. They're saying, why hasn't Trump done more to invoke these authoritarian federal powers? There's no right answer. They call him an authoritarian weak man. There is no right answer. But Donald Trump wins because his supporters win the internet. Well, all of these people in the media are lying and they lie all the time. Okay, let me, let me walk that back. Many of these activists in media pretend to be journalists, not all of them. There are good journalists. There are a lot of them. I know many of them. But there are many people in media who are lying. And then the lie travels all around in circles like a game of telephone and it just becomes fact and it's not true. Trump recently called out someone in the Rose Garden for falsely quoting him, forcing him to read the real quote. It was incredible to see what Trump had actually claimed in the quote and how the media was lying about it. Fortunately for Trump, his diehard supporters run the internet. Okay, not completely, but even the New York Times knows Trump won the internet. Democrats are scrambling to take it back. In the era of big data memes and disinformation, the Democrats are trying to regain their digital edge as the president and his loyalists dictate the terms of the debate. They've lost. I mean, they can't meme. They don't know what's going on or how to use it. And you know why they can't, they can't, do, they can't win? If you can't recognize the faults, you will never improve yourself. It requires someone to say, hey, I did something wrong to, to fix it. Because if you think everything you're doing is right, you'll never fix it. Which brings me to this thread from Reddit, which I find absolutely fascinating. This is downvoted. This is, this is hilarious. R slash politics on Reddit. They've got 5.9 million subscribers, but it may as well be just a Bernie Sanders support page because they post activist websites instead of news websites. Now they do post news websites as well. But this post was submitted. Trump won the internet. Democrats are scrambling to take it back. And what's that? It has zero points. What does that mean? It won't appear on the subreddit because people have said it's not relevant. 36% of people who see it give it an upvote, meaning most people are rejecting the premise outright and no one will ever read the story. I got to say, you know, if I was a, a, a conspiracy theorist, I'd, I'd be willing to bet Republicans are going on this and only upvoting activist posts to make sure they stay in a bubble because this is one of the stupidest things you can do. And I don't really believe it. But if you can't recognize where you're going wrong, how could you possibly win? They are being blinded. And the response to the story are fascinating. One person says Cambridge Analytica won the internet. Trump just made a spectacle. Someone responded trying to say, come on, man, you got to recognize Trump is doing well. Well, they're not interested. This person said, meanwhile, in an alternative universe from New Zealand, what do you know about America? Seems like a clickbait article locked behind a paywall. Here's one. Those bone hats can't even hang on to a subreddit, much less win an internet. Or are we calling vote and the chance the internet again, granddad? Here's one. Have you seen his live streams in the Biden bat cave? He's mercilessly killing Trump. Biden's internet strategy is lit AF. <laughs> Are you kidding me? 
Have you even listened to the people who like Biden? The people who don't like Trump in the leftist digital progressive media space are freaking out about how bad Joe Biden is doing. And, and, and you know what? Like they, they don't want to accept it, man. Joe Rogan, Trump is going to eat Joe Biden alive. Everybody else sees it. In this clip, the Joe Rogan podcast, the most popular podcast in the world, shows clips from Joe Biden muttering incoherently. And Joe Rogan's like, dude, come on, man. I'm pretty sure Joe in the past said, I'm sorry, this man can't be president. I got to say, I, I, I agree with them. The fact that they can't recognize where their faults are is exactly why Donald Trump is going to win. This is where internet memes come from. June 11th, 2018. In MIT's technology review, they say that the Donald subreddit, which is now somewhat defunct, that's where a majority of the memes propagate. Now, the Donald, these, these moderators created their own website called the Donald.win, and it's quickly rising in the Alexa ranks. Not, not nearly one of the biggest websites in the world, but it is growing very, very quickly. And it's essentially a clone of Reddit for Donald Trump supporters. They've separated themselves from the main body of Reddit to give them uh, to give themselves more freedom. They haven't stopped. They're growing. They said you can't maintain a subreddit. Are you kidding? They built their own. You want to talk about winning the Internet when Reddit shuts you down and you create your own Reddit in response. I'm sorry, that's winning the Internet. And people who are on that subreddit can still move on and go and check out all of those posts. Now, the, f- the, the big finale, who could possibly beat Trump? It ain't Biden. It could be Andrew Cuomo. Trump says of NY Governor Cuomo, I wouldn't mind running against Andrew. Cuomo is not running for president, and the race for the Democratic nomination is down to just two candidates, Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders. But they are so desperate. They are trying to pull him in by any means necessary. But Cuomo says no. He straight up says, I'm not going to do it. No, I know presidential politics. I was there in the White House with Clinton. I was there with Gore. No, I'm at peace with who I am and what I'm doing. Cuomo told Dowd. Well, it's not going to stop him. This guy for the New York Post says why Joe Biden doesn't dare tap Andrew Cuomo for Veep. Yes, there are people who are actually arguing maybe Cuomo could be the vice president because he's not going to win the Democratic nomination. But some people are even pointing out, no, he wouldn't dare do that. I mean, look, if Joe Biden tapped Andrew Cuomo, it would be a weird inversion because Cuomo would make a much better presidential candidate than Biden would. So why would Biden be the top name on the ticket? Nobody's going to want to vote for that. And that would be bad for Cuomo. Cuomo's doing great. His approval rating is skyrocketing and this is giving him a real opportunity to run in the future. Adam Brewster tweeted, he's, uh, he's with CBS News. This is remarkable. Cuomo goes from minus six net favorability in February to plus 48 net favorability in March in the Siena poll. He gets a 71% favorability rating overall, and 87% of New Yorkers approve of the job he's doing with the coronavirus specifically. This is amazing. Take a look at this. You can see that his approval rating had been dropping since 2011. And right around the 2018s, or 2018, it was bouncing up and down. The coronavirus hit, and now in March, he's up to 71% favorability, 23% unfavorability. You know what's really fascinating here? It shows you how the fake news really does hurt Donald Trump, yet he's still shining through it. Donald Trump's approval rating is at 50.6% in dealing with the coronavirus, and his overall approval rating is higher than it has ever been as of the past few days. Imagine if the media wasn't blaming Trump for everything. So Andrew Cuomo comes out and says much of the exact same thing Trump did. 
Cuomo played, downplayed the threat of this early on, saying we don't need a lockdown. So did Donald Trump. They blame Trump. They ignore Cuomo. Donald Trump touts a potential treatment, saying this is really, really great. We want to use this. Cuomo comes out in his press conference saying the exact same thing. They attack Trump. They blame him. They say nothing about Cuomo. You can see how the media is absolutely holding back Donald Trump. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Trump is deserving of some of the, you know, some of the flack he gets. He deserves it. Like the, the, the dude can be aggressive. He can be arrogant. I certainly think he is. But I know that much of what you hear from the media is just fake nonsense. And that's why they desperately want to prop up Andrew Cuomo. The reality is it won't be Cuomo. It won't be Biden. It will be the coronavirus. Vanity Fair says the virus will be on the ballot in November. The pandemic has upended the traditional campaigning model. And I'm sorry, it says upended traditional campaigning and may play a major role in voters' decisions. The question for those running in 2020 says one congressman will be, how did you perform in the great crisis? It's possible that Cuomo gets drafted and he says, I don't want to run. I said no, but I'm going to do it for this country. I don't think so. I really don't see it. It would be, I mean, stranger things have happened. So, so maybe. And Cuomo does have a very high favorability in dealing with the coronavirus. So he's the best bet to go up against Trump. Assuming what he said is true, though, and honest, that he's not interested in running and he won't, then the only real thing that Trump is running against is the coronavirus. And as we've already seen, as of the last seven polls, people support Donald Trump. I think he's doing well enough. And if he maintains this course, he's going to win in a landslide. Now, we do see some rather shocking developments because not the first time, but Joe Scarborough says that Trump made the right decision and that Americans are a lot safer because Trump has decided to extend the, the, the lockdown until April 30th. If Trump can get his enemies, I shouldn't say enemies, but fiercest critics to praise him, he's doing well. If Cuomo says he doesn't want to be involved, who is Trump really running against? And if no one is enthusiastic about Biden, then Trump is absolutely going to win. But you know what? It won't stop the media from at least trying. Marco Rubio tweets, China's Communist Party doesn't even have to pay for these. They get it for free. I actually can't show you what's in these tweets because YouTube would get mad at me. Uh, I'd probably get demonetized and get in trouble. Well, I'll probably be demonetized anyway, to be honest. But if I, I, I can show you the one from The Verge, it says the coronavirus is now the American virus. Yep. They would smear America and push Chinese propaganda or at least talking points. That to me is, it's just as insane as you get. That's how much they hate the president. Yeah, he's going to win and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's time to accept it because many of these Democrats who are freaking out have already accepted it. Nobody wants Biden and the people, the, even his own supporters don't want him. I have no idea why any of you voted for him. Maybe they'll figure out how to get Cuomo. I doubt it, but I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews. It's a different channel, and I will see you all there. Over the past few months, we have heard anecdotes and some reports about studies saying that hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, and the combination of those drugs with something called azithromycin could be an effective treatment for the coronavirus. Now, many of these studies are preliminary. They have small uh, sample sizes, so it may not be great evidence. And there's a lot of stories that are anecdotal. So the plural of anecdote is not data, but, but it's promising, they say. Numerous, numerous reports have come out saying this is promising. Well, the media, dare I say, is engaging in such reckless behavior in a desperate attempt to say orange man bad, they might actually get us killed. And it's one of the most shocking and offensive things I've ever seen. 
They're so desperate to say that no matter what Trump does, he's wrong. They take him out of context. They lie and they smear. And it's putting people at risk. Donald Trump said that he was going to get the FDA to move quickly on these potential treatments, making sure they work, making them available by prescription. He said it's already been approved. And then all of a sudden the media went screeching on top of their lungs. Trump is wrong. This has not been approved for use in the coronavirus. I love how they do this. Trump wrongly claims the FDA approved COVID-19 drug. No, he didn't. I actually had to go back and check in the press conference. Did Donald Trump say the FDA has approved this drug for use in treatment of the coronavirus? No. Now, I can't tell you what he really meant, but he certainly did not use those words. He did say it's been approved, but he was talking about having the FDA expedite the process. So what did he mean? I can make a bunch of assumptions. First, he was talking about how hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine have been approved in the past for other treatments. I think the point he was making when I watched this, it didn't seem like a big deal to me. He basically said, you know, we've got this drug that's already been approved for other reasons, right? It's been around for a really long time. So we're going to try and get the FDA to move this forward so that it can be made available almost immediately by prescription. Did he say it was approved specifically for treatment in this case? He didn't. I didn't hear it. And I didn't even notice this. But the media then adds those words to the end of his quote. They put a quote, it's been approved for treatment. He never said it. That all the media runs wild saying, saying Trump's lying, Trump's lying, Trump's lying. We, we see all these stories. Trump touted hydroxychloroquine as a cure for COVID-19. Don't believe the hype. The anti-malaria drug could be one of the biggest game changers in the history of medicine, Trump claimed. But there is no magic cure. Yeah, well, the FDA has just issued an emergency authorization for the anti-malaria drug for coronavirus care. Politico does note, the drugs have been championed by President Donald Trump for treatment despite scant evidence. Trump said, we are looking at data from other countries. And if they have evidence that this would help us, we're going to use that to make things go more quickly. Yes, in the US, it is not approved or actually now it literally is approved for the treatment of, uh, of COVID-19. But the media is doing everything in its power to smear the president. And it's horrifying. First of all, some dude ate fish tank cleaner or something. So they blame Trump. And they say it is not safe and effective. They, they, they put all of these stories up saying Trump is lying about this thing. He's, he's lying. They try and make up fake stories that act like Dr. Fauci and Trump are at odds with each other. And Fauci keeps saying, stop doing this. We're on the same page. Trump said he wanted to get the, the country opened up by the 12th. Fauci said, well, it's an aspirational goal, but the president's trying to give him Trump. What did the headline read? Dr. Fauci throws cold water on Trump's plans. Well, no, he didn't. These, these people in media are psychopathic. They're sociopathic. They are nasty, evil people. I am shocked by this. I, I actually, no, I can't say I'm shocked by this. It's entirely predictable. No matter what Trump says, it will be wrong. Well, here's egg on your face, media. The FDA has approved it. Politico says the FDA on Sunday issued an emergency use authorization for hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, decades old malaria drugs championed by Trump for coronavirus treatment despite scant evidence. Yes, scant evidence is fair to a certain degree, but we now have this story from France 24. French expert says second study shows malaria drug helps fight coronavirus. And we have more than just this one study from France and now a second study. We've heard from many other countries that this could potentially help. Okay. If it's already been approved in the past, 
We know what safe dosages, you know, p- people could take. We know that people take it for arthritis and lupus. What's the, what, 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 how, will it hurt anybody if we give them a low dose and see how it works out? Some antibiotics in combination with this? Well, the media would tell you it's wrong. It's dangerous. You see all these viral tweets from people saying like, I'm someone who has arthritis. Please don't take my medicine. You see these governors of various states banning the use of this. It is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. The agency allowed for the drugs to be donated to the strategic national stockpile to be distributed and prescribed by doctors to hospitalize teen and adult patients with COVID-19 as appropriate when a clinical trial is not available or feasible. HHS said in a statement announcing that Sanders donated 30 million doses of hydroxychloroquine and Bayer donated 1 million doses of chloroquine. Now, the, the effective treatment, according to a preliminary study, was a combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. Now, if you're going to go and eat fish cleaner, you, you shouldn't, by the way, please don't. You can't blame the president. He never said to do this. In fact, he said you will get it with a prescription. If somebody goes and takes a bunch of pills, are you going to blame the doctor? The doctor never told him to do it, even though the doctor did write the prescription. It's absolutely insane what the media has been doing. The move was supported by the White House, part of a larger trumped back effort to speed the use of the anti-malaria drugs as a potential therapy for a virus that has no proven treatment or cure. FDA already has allowed New York State to test administering the medications to seriously ill patients, and some hospitals have added it to their treatment protocols. Wow, how about that? And I know I've said it, Andrew Cuomo has touted this combination as well, and no one in the media has come out screeching that Andrew Cuomo is, 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 is responsible for this. Those people that ate the, the fish tank anti-parasitic cleaner, how come they didn't blame the, the media themselves or Andrew Cuomo? Because the whole mission they're on is orange man is bad, even if it means hurting American people and standing in the way of what may be a treatment that could help people. Let's see how it works, Trump said at a press briefing on Sunday, referencing New York State's efforts. It may, it may not. Wow. How about that? Scientists in America and around the world have identified multiple potential therapeutics for COVID-19, including chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. HHS Secretary Alex Azar tweeted on Sunday night, praising Trump and the EUA. Career scientists have been skeptical of the effort, noting the lack of data on the drug's efficacy for coronavirus care and worried that it would siphon medication away from patients who need it for other conditions, calling instead for the agency to pursue its usual clinical trials. FDA's move is expected to facilitate more access to the drugs by allowing more donations, and a second EUA is under consideration that would allow for more manufacturers to produce it, said three officials. Listen, this is an emergency, a real one. Yeah, the U.S. likes to declare national emergencies for things that often really aren't. But uh, this one is rent is due in what? Two days. In two days, rent will be due. And if people can't pay their rent and they probably can't, we are going to see a major rupture in the economy. Now, we already saw it. So, yes, desperate times call for desperate measures. These people who would say, well, let's just sit back and see how it plays out. There are people dying right now. Trump touted in his press conference right to try that if you were terminal, you could try a treatment. That's an amazing, an amazing thing. It's incredible. You know why? If you are on your deathbed and they say, we have an experimental preliminary treatment that might not work, but we can try. What's your option? Now nah, I'll just roll over and give up or let's try it. You know why that's so important? Not only does it give you an opportunity, even if it's slim to survive, but it gives the doctors data to help improve or uh, get rid of what could be a bad treatment. 
if they see if, if, if someone tries this and it works, then they can send that around very, very quickly. So yes, clinical trials is, is typically a good thing. And we try to move quickly in general because we want to save lives. But right now, the entire economy is shut down and we're trying to find an effective way to deal with this. There have been several preliminary studies, albeit small, some of them not particularly strong, but promising nonetheless. And the drug has already been approved. Now, here's how they let's read a little bit more and then I'll show you how they lie. Hydroxychloroquine, which is already available commercially in the United States. Oh, you mean it was already approved a long time ago by the FDA for other things? Did Trump come out and say it was already approved for COVID? Maybe he did. Maybe I'm wrong. I listened to his press conference twice to make sure because I was confused as to why they were, they were all saying this. I didn't hear him say it. I, heard, I did hear him say it's been approved and we're going to get the FDA to move very, very quickly. But I thought it meant one of two things, that the FDA approved it in terms of moving forward with a clinical trial or that it had been FDA approved before because Trump specifically said, we know because it's been approved before, people won't die if they do take it. Is that so hard to understand? Maybe. So they say it's all uh, hydroxychloroquine is already commercially available. It's commonly used to treat malaria, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis. The drug also has been touted as a therapy for coronavirus by an unusual assortment of investors, TV correspondents, and even some advisors to the White House, including some advocates who overstated their claims and credentials. And it has been championed by guests on Fox News. However, a growing number of lupus and arthritis patients have complained they've been unable to fill their prescriptions amid ongoing shortages. And reports have emerged that some physicians are hoarding the drug for themselves. Now that's insane. People hoarding the drug? Y'all are crazy. That's sickening. However, if people are literally dying, and this is something we need, I think people are starting to realize that uh, healthcare is not a human right. Now, if we have access, we will save your life. Doctors swear an oath. And I think most good people will do what they can to save you, even if they're a random passerby. If I'm walking down the street and I see someone in serious harm, I'm going to do what I can to try and save them. And I'm not even a doctor, okay? So what happens when we have a serious illness affecting the world and even a potential treatment? Well, look, man, it may seem callous. And I I don't want to come off that way because I empathize with those that are suffering from lupus who seriously need this medicine and those that are suffering from arthritis who also need this medicine. Triage. How long can someone go without certain medications? And do we just wait for these people to die in the hospital or do we try and administer a potential cure? Now, there's a decent argument. If we don't know for sure it will work, we're taking medicine away from people who actually need it where we know it does work. But desperate times and desperate measures. I'm not the person making that call. But I hope to all of you that may require this medication, you realize why they're so desperately trying to use it. It's just, it's not a human right. I'm sorry. To all the progressives that want to claim it is, there is a finite amount of medication. You cannot demand that a person on their deathbed not be allowed to potentially have life-saving medication. And at the same time, uh, determining which illness is more deserving of it is is a call I wouldn't make. And someone would have to make a hard decision there. But you do not have a right to it. It's available to you if you can get it. I'd love to give the medicine to everybody. I personally would. But now we're learning something scary. And I hope many of these progressives realize this. There's a finite amount of these pills. So what do you do? It's the same for any medication. Let me, let me just jump to the media lies. To the media lies. Check this out. Trump directs FDA to examine whether a malaria drug can be used for coronavirus. That's it. That, that, that was it. And I listened to this, and Trump made several key points that are very important. It's been approved in the past, so we know that you won't die if you take it. Very important. He is going to make, they want to make it available almost immediately, meaning after FDA approval, which he actually says, and he says they're going to make it go quick. 
Here's what they say. Uh, it's uh, let's let's they, they mentioned that the FDA commissioner said it's important not to provide false hope, yada, yada. The World Health Organization said last month there is no proof the drug is effective in treating the coronavirus. Trump claimed the U.S. would be able to make the anti-malaria drug available, quote, almost immediately and that it's been approved. End quote. There's the quote. It's been approved. But multiple outlets reported minutes later, the FDA had not approved chloroquine for use in treating the coronavirus. So what? They took a quote out of context and slapped in complaints from people that has nothing to do with the initial context to make you think Trump was lying or wrong. Now, maybe that's what Trump really meant. I don't know. I didn't get that impression. I watched this press conference live two weeks ago or a week ago, whatever, when it when it aired. And that's not the impression I got. What I understood was that Trump was saying the drug has already been proven safe and effective for other things. So we're going to make this we're going to move quickly on this to try and make it available for everybody pending FDA approval. How hard is that? But they add this last little bit. It's what it's what I've said many times, like the fact checkers and the critics will add something to the end of what Trump does to make it false. Let's say Trump has an ice cream cone and he licks it. Then all of a sudden, all across Twitter, you'll see people saying things like Donald Trump licked an ice cream cone. Then Snopes and other fact checking outlets will say, did Donald Trump lick a vanilla ice cream cone on Sunday? False. You see what they do? They add that last little bit that has nothing to do with anything. No one ever said it. Trump didn't say it. And they can make the whole thing false. Trump says the FDA has, has approved a malaria drug for use in coronavirus. He didn't, he didn't say that. False. It is not. Yeah, that's the game they play. So we do know that, you know, French expert, there's been multiple studies, as I mentioned. But let me show you how the game is played. Take a look at this from Sky, from Sky News. You can see in this uh, uh, video I've paused here, a room. See this machine right here? Interesting, huh? I don't know what it is. How about this monitor right here? Don't know what that is either. But trust me, it's relevant. Here's a lady in a, in a, in a blue, in blue PPE, you know, personal protective equipment, I believe it, it stands for. We can see here's a doctor wearing green. Why don't we jump over to uh, CBS News? New York now accounts for more than half of new U.S. cases. America's epicenter. Hey, wait a minute. CBS talking about New York. This is in between a segment where Andrew Cuomo was talking about New York, and they show this hospital again. Hey, look, there's that same machine. Hey, look, here's that, there's that same monitor, a little zoomed in, right? There's, there's the guy in the green. What's up with that, huh? Oh, what's that? The Sky News story is from March 22nd from Italy. And what's this? The CBS story is from March 25th, a few days later. You mean to tell me that CBS took footage from Italy and made it and, and put it in a story about New York? Why? That's fake news. Manipulating people. The, these people in the media are so insanely reckless. They're going to get us killed. The FDA has issued an emergency approval for the uh, hydroxychloroquine. And the media just the whole time will make you believe things that are not true. And you've got to pay attention. As we've seen from the Gallup polls, disapproval of the media is much, much higher than it is for Trump. More people trust Trump than they do the media. And that's several polls now. Take a look at this story. President Trump demolishes a CNN reporter for running with a blatant lie. This was a smack in the face. I tell you what, Look, man, I read the news all day, every day. I don't get everything. And I remember seeing quotes about Trump saying, you know, I want them to appreciate me. 
And if they don't appreciate, appreciate me, then I don't call them and stuff like that. And it's passive and I don't care. You know, I tune this stuff out. Why? It tends to be fake news. They say Trump said he won't call governors. And then all of a sudden, all across Reddit, what are they saying? Trump just told the states to go drop dead. I kid you not. That's on the, the politics subreddit. They're all clamoring now that Trump literally said, if you don't give me the respect I deserve, you will die or bleh, or some other nonsense. Literally now what happened. It's funny. In this story, so apparently uh, during a uh, Q&A in the Rose Garden, it appears, someone from CNN, this guy, Jay Diamond, uh, tries playing the gotcha game, as they, as they say. And he said something like, you said that you want people to appreciate you. And then you said you wouldn't call them if they didn't. And Trump's like, no, you're lying. You're fake news. You're lying. Read the full quote. And then, and then the guy actually reads the full quote. And I was shocked. The full quote was something more like Trump saying, I want them to appreciate me because it's not, it's not about me. It's, it's about the administration. It's about the Army Corps of Engineers. It's about the doctors. And, if, and, and if they, they need to appreciate all of us. Something to that effect. The administration. Trump said, I won't call them. Mike Pence will or, uh, you know, FEMA will. And then I realized, wow, in context, Trump made a very important point. If people don't like you, they're disrespectful towards you and, and the administration, all these other people. Well, that's a bad thing. They should be appreciative for all of the help coming from the federal government. That's fair. Look, I get it. Trump's a bit egotistical. No problem. But this was shocking because when Trump said, I won't call them Mike Pence will or FEMA will, that's actually the smart thing to do. If you, if you know there's somebody at like a restaurant who hates you, are you going to call them up and argue with them? Or are you going to tell your, your friend back, look, we're going to order pizza, but that dude really hates me. So why don't you call? Doesn't it make more sense? Trump basically said, these people don't like me. So I'm going to have someone else talk to him instead. There, there, there you go. Why would Trump call someone if they don't like him and are going to fight with him and they're going to hate whatever he says? Yeah, have FEMA call him. It would make no sense. That's actually appropriate leadership, recognizing you personally couldn't get it done. So you're going to hand this task off to somebody who could get it done. You know what, man? I, I, I see Trump's approval rating skyrocketing, and I, I know why. It's funny that as vigilant as I am in tracking all this stuff, I've been duped by fake news before as well. I actually, for the longest time, believe Trump really was making fun of that guy who had the uh, disability w- w- with his arm. You may know what I'm talking about where Trump did the thing with his arm. And then I saw a video go viral from Trump supporters, notably the walk away campaign, showing that Trump always does that for everybody. He wasn't just making fun of one guy. It seems almost like the, they, they set him up. It, it's, 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 it's insane. They, I shouldn't say set him up. I should say they saw the connection and falsely framed it. That's what they do. It's what they're doing now. Go watch the press conference right here, okay? Maybe I'm wrong about this one. I remember watching it. I do not remember, remember Trump saying it had already been approved for use in coronavirus, right? As I mentioned now, I, I thought the point was making was that it's basically, we know it's safe. But here's what they add. Keep that in mind whenever you read this stuff. They, 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 they run wild with this, right? The New Yorker, they say that Trump ran wild with conspiracies and fake news from pundits. Last Thursday at a press conference, he declared that chloroquine had been approved. See, been approved is in quotes and nothing else by the Food and Drug Administration as a treatment for COVID-19. It hadn't. He didn't do it. There it is. That's how, that's how they play the game. You can, you, you can go and you find a dollar. And then when you try and tell when you find a dollar, they'll say you're lying because you didn't find a dollar on Sunday. I, I never mentioned Sunday. No, but they add it to say it's false. 
These people are insane, man. And they're going to get us killed. Whatever. I'm done. I'll see you all at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. As the coronavirus crisis escalates, we are going to see, at least in my opinion, demands for authoritarianism. More people are going to be snitching on their neighbors. They're going to be offering up more powers to the federal government. They're going to demand it. In fact, in one of the weirdest articles I've ever seen, Politico, I'm assuming it's some kind of opinion piece, is angry, or at least they're dragging Trump for not being strong enough to become an authoritarian autocrat. I kid you not. Trump is an authoritarian weak man. Coronavirus would be the perfect opportunity for an autocrat and Trump isn't taking it. I can't tell if they're actually mad about it or not, but it should be funny to read nonetheless. Yeah, I'm sorry. Trump isn't an authoritarian. Trump is just a guy. He's the president. He has a lot of authority. I would like it if the federal government lost some of their authority to a certain degree, but they're mad or they're critical because Trump isn't taking it. Over in Europe, we are seeing what happens as this crisis escalates. Viktor Orban of Hungary has, has been granted sweeping powers amid the coronavirus crisis. And, and he wasn't granted these powers by showing up with a gun and taking it. It's because people started voting all of this stuff in. And now they're at a point where they've given this man the power to do what he wants to do. And there are pros and there are cons with this. If this dude is a malicious, evil dude, which I don't know much about him, well, then he can abuse that power for sure. But there are certain circumstances where emergencies, emergency powers rule by decree. I mean, they, 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 they very well may have to exist. These social justice causes that we love so much in this country can't exist within a true crisis. And I've talked about it quite a bit. But when the war breaks out, you cannot sustain your system with internal conflict and divisions. And everybody, you know, look, a lot of the things people complain about when it comes to social justice only exist because we've safely secured ourselves. When you have priorities and those priorities involve external conflict or a pandemic, well, then you can't really prioritize social justice issues, particularly feminism or inter- intersectional feminism. It results, or the, the, the more a conflict grows, the more a problem grows being unchecked, the more people will notice it and the more they will grant powers to someone to deal with it. I think we are going to see in the United States an expansion of authoritarianism. I really do. You know why? I think everything is much, much worse than we all realize. I really do. I think even the numbers we're seeing are all false reported. There was a funny thing on Twitter where this guy made a graph using data where you can track various countries. And there was like a frequently asked question thing that said, why isn't China on this graph? And his response, because its numbers are all lies. But let's re- we'll read about authoritarianism, but I want to show you why this is happening. In a story from Radio Free Asia, estimates show Wuhan death toll far higher than official figure. This story, and, and, and many people have been speculating, we've always assumed China was lying. But this story says that they were giving out thousands of urns, and they're estimating that would mean 42,000 urns would be given out during this time frame, which is April, uh, I, b- I believe, a 12-day prosper- a 12-day period beginning on March 23rd to try and get people their urns for a festival by April 5th. That would estimate 42,000 people. Another popular estimate is based on the cremation capacity of the funeral homes, which run a total of 84 furnaces with a capacity of uh, over 24 hours of 1,560 urns citywide. Assuming that one cremation takes one hour, this calculation results in an estimated 46,800 deaths. A resident of Hubei province, of which Wuhan is the capital, said most people there now believe that more than 40,000 people died in the city before and during the lockdown. 
Maybe the authorities are gradually releasing the real figures intentionally or unintentionally so that people will gradually come to accept the reality. The resident who gave only his surname Mao said a source close to the provincial civil authorities bureau said many people had died at home without being uh, diagnosed with or treated. See what this means? We know that in China, they're not tracking asymptomatic carriers. Many people died in their homes. In one instance, they claimed that two people had simply fainted from Parkinson's disease. China's lying. And if China really does have 40,000, 50,000 dead, then I wonder what about the numbers in other countries? Some people even, even started speculating the numbers in Italy could be wrong. So why did they vote to give Victor Orban sweeping powers rule by decree with no time limit? Well, I, I hate to say it because I'm not, I don't, I don't know a lot about this guy, but it seems like they're thinking far ahead and they care more about safety than their freedom. I'm a liberty minded person. I do not like the idea of encroaching authoritarianism. But when war breaks out in times of crisis, these things happen. Again, not saying I like them or they're good things. I don't like them. I don't even know if they work. But people want it because they would rather feel secure knowing you can move quickly. Let's read the story and then we'll read about we'll read about what they're saying about Trump. Hungary's parliament passed a law Monday to allow Prime Minister Viktor Orban almost unlimited power for an indefinite period to fight the coronavirus outbreak. Hungary has taken a sharply authoritarian turn over the past decade under Orban, and it's likely that he and other strongman leaders around the world will seek to maintain powers they gain during the current crisis long after it's over. The new law puts Hungary into a state of emergency with no time limit. Orban will be allowed to rule by decree and all elections will be suspended. Yikes. Orban's Fidesz party controls parliament along with most of the media and government institutions. It passed the law despite opposition from rival parties and civil society. I don't know what that means, civil society. It includes jail terms of up to five years for intentionally spreading misinformation that hinders the government response to the pandemic, leading to fears that it could be used to censor or self-censor criticism of the government response per The Guardian. Hungary has 447 confirmed coronavirus cases and 15 deaths, according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University. Limited testing means the case count could be significantly higher. We are already starting to see an increase in authoritarian measures in the U.S. New Yorkers who break social distancing rules will now face fines up to $500. They are now enforcing social distancing. And we know that there will be an escalation. It won't stop here, especially if they're arguing that the peak of this will be sometime in the future. Yesterday, I talked about social order breaking down. We saw in Italy, people were rioting and looting supermarkets. People were creating groups on Facebook, organizing raids of supermarkets because they've run out of money. In response, the police came out, started guarding these stores. This is the breakdown in social order. And what we're seeing with New York, New Jersey, what we're seeing with with Hungary is when a gigantic crack has appeared in the social order. Yes, it is breaking down. Authoritarianism is an an attempt to wrap some kind of, you know, rope around it and tie it tight to stop it from falling apart because people are going to start freaking out. Already on Twitter, I have seen people talking about they're not able to find food where they live, even wheat flour. I went to walmart.com, samsclub.com, Amazon, and I looked for flour all out of stock. Now, my local stores, for the most part, have these basics. But even my local Walmart seems rather depleted. There is a lot of food still there. You can basically get most of what you need. But yes, some things are missing, mostly toilet paper still. But the reason I bring this up is that when people run out of food, they do what we're seeing in Italy. 
they organize raids on grocery stores. And that's killing, you know, that's, that's killing the goose that laid the golden egg, basically. These stores need to function to get food to everyone. But some people panic. Some people are desperate. In one story, a man said his mother was begging him to get food. So he went to go get food. His mom needs it. What if someone has a daughter or, or a, a young child, a son, and they're going to say, my kid needs food and I will do anything for them. That's when the breakdown happens. So it looks like Hungary is trying to preempt this. Now, here in the U.S., we're very liberty-minded people, and we do typically resist authoritarianism. Plus, we're all pretty hard-headed. For real, Americans are like, don't you tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. So this stuff won't arise right away. Plus, we have courts and a constitution that protect us. But we are under a national emergency. In New York, there have already been three different instances, I believe three, where people have been arrested for having get-togethers. There was one one story I read where there are two different people. I don't think it was the same event. It may have been. But these two guys were arrested for public nuisance. Another instance happened in New Jersey, in New Jersey, where apparently a guy had a large party, like 40 something people in a small apartment. So they came, broke it up and arrested the guy in New York. They will give you a $500 ticket. I, I admittedly, it is happening slower here in the US than anywhere else. But I assure you, or I, I shouldn't say I assure you, but at least in my opinion, we are absolutely, absolutely heading towards hard authoritarianism. If the numbers we're hearing out of China are fake, from China, I should say, and the speculation is correct, then we can expect this to be way worse than we realize. Now, there was a chart recently that people have been sharing around. And when you look at the current, uh, where we're at now in terms of hospital beds and where they thought we were going to be, we are below the low expectation. So I'll give you an example. I know the numbers pulled up, but they said things like, you know, by March 30th, we'll need, you know, uh, 10,000 beds in this place. And then that's the low estimate. But we're actually lower than that in many different states. That means we're doing a good job. A lot of people are like, aha, this proves it's fake. No, 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 no. It means we're pro- we've proven that we've done a really good job and we've shattered the expectations of the experts. I've seen the videos, man. I know some fake news has put out fake, you know, videos where they've reappropriated Italy and stuff, but there are videos popping up. You even had Project Veritas go to some hospitals and people are freaking out. In other hospitals, people aren't because there are hot spots. Some hospitals are getting overloaded and some aren't. This is happening. It's legit. It would be, it's, it's absurd to me that people think it's not really happening as if all of these countries are in this big grand conspiracy together, like Trump and China are working together. No, no, please spare me. We know it's worse in China. We know they're lying. And that leads me to believe this is so much worse than they're letting on. Some people are even speculating that it's worse in Italy that Italy's numbers may be underestimated or wrong because some people might catch this and die. And because they're not treated or tested, they ignore it. That's happening in China as well. The other big concern is people are getting reinfected. That's happened in China. I believe in Japan. I believe we may have had one case here in the US where somebody like left and then came back because they, they, you know, they, they ended up getting sick again or something like that. I don't have those stories pulled up, but that would mean that we're facing a lockdown for a long time. Trump said April 12th, Dr. Fauci said that's aspirational. He's giving people hopes, but it's unlikely. And Trump came out and said, we're going to have to extend it to April 30th. This is exactly what I expected to happen. Trump is giving us dates so that we feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Come, you know, we'll get a week or two closer to April 30th. I have a feeling he's going to extend it again and says out of of an abundance of caution, we're going to extend it again. Keep everything locked down. We're already essentially in an authoritarian lockdown, but American style. You can still go out, you can still walk your dog, but they are enforcing people who, who, who break social distancing. It's kind of complicated because if I'm walking around with someone I live with or my friend, like you're allowed to do that. How do you prove it? If you go on a date with someone, can't you say, oh no, we live together or something. So it's, it's a difficult thing to enforce. 
I believe based on a lot of the videos we've seen of people partying, of these young people licking toilets, it's very likely to get to a point where people demand authoritarian responses from the president, from the government. They start demanding a lockdown. Those people I mentioned in New Jersey who got arrested, it's because the neighbors snitched on them. The neighbors complained that they're having a party when they're not supposed to. So many people are like tattletales. They care so much about what you are doing. You know, it's like, if I can't party, then you can't either. Well, as much as I think that sentiment is silly, I do think it's even, it, it, it is worse that people are ignoring the stuff and exacerbating the problem, showing up to beaches, trying to go out and party, hanging out, bring their boats together. All this stuff is making everything worse for the rest of us. And it will result in people demanding from the government authoritarian restrictions. We don't want to see authoritarian restrictions. Trump was talking about quarantining three states and people panicked. And then he said, it's not a good idea. We're going to do a travel advisory. And that was the smart move because in America, we do believe in freedom and you don't want to create unnecessary panic. But I assure you, we are close to seeing this. I'm not saying I assure you that it'll absolutely happen, but we are close. As I've stated before, we're standing on the edge of the precipice. Politico, they want Trump to take it. They say, let's take inventory of what new insights we have learned from the pandemic about Trump and his leadership character. One could hardly miss how this crisis has fortified one of the two primary pillars of the anti-Trump argument. As advanced by his most ardent detractors, it has been insufficiently noted, however, the degree to which the coronavirus response has weakened the other pillar. The first pillar is that Trump, in the near unanimous view of the opposition, is a terrible person whose terribleness finds expression in terrible policies. He is narcissistic, dismissive of unwelcome facts, willing to traffic in falsehoods, lacking in empathy, erratic in personal matter, and above all, and above all, impulsive in judgment. Are you following so far? Even a Trump defender could comprehend how Trump critics would seize on the performance of the past two months. We have it totally under control, he said on January 22nd, to add damaging new counts to the indictment they've been compiling four years ago. Except let me stop you right there. The polls show people like Trump. Sorry, man. You, you, you guys are going to hear me say it every single time because I'm going to refute these people with the facts. The past five polls, Trump's job on the, on the coronavirus crisis above water. The American people, for the most part, support the president. And that's because Democrats are coming around. But the media will keep saying, oh, Trump's doing a terrible job. Boy, I really detest these people. I'll tell you what. They say it is the second pillar of the anti-Trump case that has wobbled curiously in recent weeks. The president allegedly is not just is not just a near term menace, but a long term one, a leader bent on amassing personal power and undermining constitutional democracy in ways that would last beyond his presidency, which under the worst scenarios, he might even try Vladimir Putin style to extend illegally if he loses in November. The notion of Trump as, as authoritarian strongman, however, has been cast in an odd light in this pandemic. Would be tyrants use crisis to consolidate power. Trump, by contrast, has been pilloried from many quarters, including many liberals, for not asserting authority and responsibility more forcefully to combat COVID-19. Rather than seizing on a genuine emergency, Trump was slow to issue an emergency declaration, moved gingerly in employing the Defense Production Act to help overburden local health systems, and even now seems eager to emphasize that many subjects, closures of schools and businesses, obtaining sufficient ventilators, are primarily problems for the state governors to deal with. Oh my. Perhaps he's not an authoritarian weak man. Perhaps he's not an authoritarian. Perhaps he's a libertarian strong man. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that for the most part, but perhaps he's just not really much of either. He's a strong, arrogant dude. You know, you can argue, you can call him whatever you want. You can call him gross, nasty, but he's not forcing anyone to do anything. And they're getting mad about it. I'll tell you why I think the authoritarianism is, authoritarianism is coming. Trump is going to have to make a hard decision soon as these numbers escalate. 
and they're demanding he do, which means they are paving the path for Trump to enact authoritarian measures. Now, based on this so far, I'm kind of confident Trump's not going to be all that bad. I do not like seeing an expansion of executive authority, but it's a difficult argument to make when you're in a crisis. It's so easy to complain about everything when everything is fine and safe and you're wealthy, but now people are losing their lives. And one thing that has me really concerned is this potential, uh, what's happening could be a real potential for full on global warfare. Food is being hoarded by many countries and people are starting to panic. When resources run dry, people get desperate. Now, you've seen the people try and break into those grocery stores. Think about that same thing on a government scale. You have one country saying, we have run out of food. Our people are suffering. We are taking it. We will not die because nobody wants to. Survival is is important. They're not going to give up. Now, many countries may offer aid at first, but there are some adversarial nations. There are big, powerful nations that are going to seize control of certain supplies. And we've already seen China doing a bunch of really awful things. So what happens when the resources get depleted? You can expect to see real conflict between countries. For the time being, it seems like we'll be okay. But the supply chain has been disrupted. Trump is not the authoritarian strongman that people claim he is. And I think anybody who pays attention knows that. They say, if he had the ability to modulate to the moment, he would have done so. And at times he has tried to do so. Acting with compassion. Is this about Trump? We'll, uh, we, we will heal the sick, care for those in need, help our fellow citizens, and emerge from this challenge stronger and more unified than ever, he said at the end of his Oval Office address earlier this month, in a line that read like it was inserted at the insistence of someone else, like Ivanka or Jared. But his pugilistic instincts returned almost instantly, as did his instinct. instinct the most important part of being a winning leader is bluff self-confidence. Rather than seize command in the crisis, Trump is determined to project the bad news as the fault of someone else. The lamestream media, Trump tweeted on Wednesday, is the dominant force in trying to get me, uh, get me to keep our current country closed as long as possible in the hope that it will be detrimental to my election success. I believe it. Sorry, I believe it. There was an amazing exchange. I mentioned it in my last video where a CNN journalist says, you said I want them to be appreciative of me and that I won't call them. And Trump said, what's the full quote? Read the full thing. And what was the full quote? I want them to be appreciative. And it's not about me. It's about the task force and the administration. Yada, yada. You get it. It wasn't about me. That's what Trump said. And yet the media will tell you otherwise. They will snip it. So you don't actually see what he really said. Yes, they are the ones causing much of the problems we face today. The American people can see through it. They support the president, which is also partly bad news. Because as these people demand authoritarianism, and many people actually agree with Trump, Trump's got a clear path to enact a bunch of policies that will extend beyond his presidency. And I'm not happy with that. I'm not okay with that. So we have to make sure no matter what happens, we have hard limits on the powers that are granted. They expire. Not like it really matters because they declare national emergencies and just grant these powers and never seems to stop. So I don't know what you can expect outside of that. What I can say, though, I think everything's going to get way worse. I'm sorry to say it. I'm not trying to fear monger or anything like that. But the numbers we're seeing out of China make sense. And it's in line with a lot of other countries. China has been lying. If they're really at 40 to 50,000 dead in the past few months, then we can expect something similar. The estimates we're being given by Dr. Birx and Fauci are 200 or so thousand deaths once, once this you know, apex has come, come down, maybe by late June or August. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all in the next segment, youtube.com slash Timcast. It's my main channel. I'll see you there. 
Several states have now enacted their own versions of curfews or stay at home orders, and it really does feel like the authoritarianism is on the rise. It seems like these orders are 100% unconstitutional. However, we're in an emergency, so good luck winning that argument right now. And that to me is very, very freaky. In Virginia, they've issued a stay at home order until mid June. I kid you not. In Maryland, if you break curfew, you could face up to a year in jail. And we also have uh, news from, we have news from Maryland, but we also have news from North Carolina about their stay at home orders. So I want to read through to you uh, what's going on with these states. Look, man, I am no fan of authoritarianism. Absolutely not. In the United States, we have the right to peacefully assemble, and our constitution is being challenged right now because of a virus. If somebody wants to throw a party, they will come and arrest you. They did it in New Jersey three times now. But you have the right to assemble. So how does that fly with the constitution? I honestly have no idea. They'll say it's an emergency and it was desperate times, but does that matter? The constitution is very clear. I honestly don't know. Let's read these stories, see what's going on. And seriously, I hope you all have gotten supplies because we're starting to see some scary stories, but let's read. Virginia issues stay-at-home order until mid-June. Virginia joined Maryland in issuing a stay-at-home order on Monday, bringing much of the greater Washington region to a halt. Governor Ralph Northam said the order was in effect until June 10th. That is insane. That is, um, this is nuts, man. The Democrats said residents should not leave their homes unless it's for essential purposes. The exemptions allow people to leave their homes for medical purposes, food, and banking. People will still be allowed to be outdoors as long as they follow the state's ban on gathering in groups of more than 10 people and remain six feet apart from others. Earlier Monday, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan issued a similar order. Violating the order in Maryland is a misdemeanor subject to a year in jail and a $5,000 fine, Hogan said. As of Monday, at least 29 states, including Maryland and Virginia, had stay-at-home orders. The other states are, I'm I'm not going to read you every single state. Well, I'd like to, but there's 29 states that are all basically saying you cannot go out. I'll walk that back a little bit. You can go out. But this is where, I mean, this is where our rights really get tested. This is a serious conundrum that uh, uh, I don't know the answer to. So I'll ask you guys, in an emergency such as this, right, we are seeing people flaunt this. We are seeing them go to the beaches and party and not care and spread the infection, making it worse for everybody. That's a problem, 100%. We are seeing a government take increasingly authoritarian actions. Now, admittedly, here in the US, it's a bit slower. Other countries are just jumping. They're diving in head first. That's scary as well. But we're also seeing the economic damage, which is terrifying. What do we do? We're going to need a leader to make hard decisions. And this is what is so frustrating. We don't know which, which, which decision is the right one. If Trump enacted these same provisions in January, they would have screamed in his face for it. And if Trump doesn't do it now, they scream in his face for it. There's literally no answer. And no matter what happens, hindsight will be 2020 and we'll say they did a bad job. But what can we do? I don't know. How do you feel? Do you think the Constitution supersedes the emergency? Do you think the emergency is more important? Or do you think the economy is the most important of all? I want to show you what we have here from the Washington Post. They have the, the, the actual order, but I'm going to do something I don't normally do because I think I need to do it in light of what we are seeing. This is a website, safeandreadymeals.com. I will be completely honest. This is a sponsored spot. It helps support my channel. My revenue has gone down considerably for a lot of reasons. One, almost all the videos I do on this get demonetized as per usual. The other issue is that advertising has dropped dramatically. 
So I decided I will give a shout out to a company that I think would really benefit you right now. And there is a shipping delay. So keep that in mind. Safeandreadymeals.com has a variety of emergency food. I actually have emergency food myself. It's not a whole lot. This, this one bucket here is like two weeks worth of food and it's sold out. Go figure. A lot of stores are, are being sold out. So right now it looks like they have the upgraded four weeks of food supply, which is available for $197. If it's not for you, ignore this. But look, man, I got a lot of flack from people when I promoted this several times I have. I've done it maybe like 10 times. I'm only doing it because I legitimately believe it's a smart thing to do. If, if Virginia is saying until June 10th, you've got to consider what that means. Now, you're going to be able to go and buy food, so don't freak out. But we still have hurricanes. We still have storms. I just really, really do sincerely believe it's a smart thing to have some of this. And that's why I personally do myself. I'm not talking about building a bunker and buying 50 years worth of beans. All right? I'm talking about just having some emergency food. My, I believe it's freeze-dried. They say 12 food varieties up to 25 year shelf life. You buy it once, you forget about it. And then when the worst, when the worst case scenario happens, you have food. We don't expect it to, but man, this, this, the stuff I'm seeing every day has me more and more worried about what's to come. We're hearing that countries are starting to hoard food. We're hearing about potential food riots. I'll get into that in the next segment. I want to talk to you about what's going on here in the United States right now. This is from the Washington Post. It's the Maryland government, Larry Hogan, stay at home order. One last time, safeandreadymeals.com. If you're interested, the link is in the description below. But check this out. General provisions. Each law enforcement officer of the state or a political subdivision shall execute and enforce this order. A person who knowingly and willfully violates this order is guilty of a misdemeanor and on conviction is subject to imprisonment not exceeding one year or a fine not exceeding $5,000 or both. So that's a pretty substantial misdemeanor. There are many, you know, typically they go up to a year, but many don't like I I can't speak for Maryland, but in Illinois, simple assault or disorderly conduct is between like one month, maybe six months. A full year is like the max capacity of what a misdemeanor could be. You could literally go to jail for a year for going out and going to a friend's house. The order remains in effect until after termination of the state emergency and the proclamation of the catastrophe health of the catastrophe health emergency has been rescinded or until rescinded, superseded, amended, or revised by additional orders. There is no time limit. At least in Virginia, they're saying June 10th. This is saying the order remains in effect indefinitely until they say otherwise. We just saw the media screeching that Victor Orban in Hungary gave himself you know, dictator, dictatorial powers with no time limit. As far as I can tell, there isn't a time limit on this. The effect of any statute, rule, or regulation of an agency of the state or a political subdivision inconsistent with this order is hereby suspended. The underlined paragraph headings in this order are for convenience of reference. So as far as I can tell, they have not set a deadline when any of this is supposed to, supposed to end. And that's, that, that's, that's, that's freaky, man. We're seeing it in North Carolina as well. Now, I don't know how bad it is in North Carolina, but let's just read this stuff. Breaking down the imminent stay-at-home order in North Carolina. They say, the order will take effect Monday, March 30th. So that's, that's today. By the time you've watched this, it is in effect. It asks all North Carolinians to stay at home outside of doing essential activity. What is classified as a essential activity for health and safety? Any tasks that involve seeking emergency services, medical supplies, doctor or veterinarian, necessary supplies and services, going to the grocery store, automobile supplies, supplies needed for work from home and products necessary to maintain the operation of a residence. For outdoor activity, you're allowed to exercise outdoors. That's good. But social distance requirements must still be followed 
This does not include playgrounds. Those will remain closed to limit spread for certain types of work. The businesses that are authorized to remain open include healthcare, grocery stores, essential government and infrastructure operations. Five, to care for others. If you need to care for or assist a family member, friend, pet, you are allowed to do so. This includes transporting your loved ones to a wedding, to wedding and funerals, as long as social distancing is complied with. That's actually, that's rather interesting, I might say. Weddings and funerals allowed. Wow. Place of worship. If you, if you need like to, uh, if you need like to travel to place of worship, you are allowed to do so to receive goods or services. So this is uh, uh, by a COVID-19 essential business, a place of reverence going to and from your residence for child custody reasons or visitation and volunteering. If you volunteer at a charitable organization or social services, it is allowed. We are seeing a major, major violation of the First Amendment. I I don't care if it's right or wrong. It is happening. You want to argue whether we should or shouldn't abide by it? That's fine. I'm not saying you should violate any of this stuff. By no means, you should, you should, you should listen to this stuff. Not so much. Look, it's about keeping yourself healthy. We want to get through this very, very quickly. But at what point are we going to sit back and just be happy or accept that the government is saying you can't go to a place of worship and gather? That's, that's freedom of religion. The First Amendment guarantees the freedom to peacefully, peaceably, I think, I believe it's peaceably, peaceably assemble. We can't do any of that right now. Maybe there's provisions. I'm not a constitutional lawyer or whatever. There may, there may be provisions to, for the suspension of our, of our rights in the, in the uh, issuance of an emergency. But that to me is still alarming because we've been under so many emergencies since, <laughs> since forever. I think we're under what, like 19 or some ridiculous number. The government declares emergencies and then we just stay under them. And mind you, Maryland doesn't seem to have a time limit on theirs. If you don't care about your civil liberties, you better start paying attention and caring now. Because we see it in the media. Victor Orban in Hungary is, is going to gain all these powers and never give them up. Yeah, what about here, man? The left right now is clamoring for Donald Trump to enforce federal wartime provisions. And he's resisting, so they're mocking him for it. Dude, they, they want to they smear everyone else as the authoritarian, as the fascist. But look, it's never been more clear who really is. They're cheering for these big tech companies taking down what they deem to be fake news. They're cheering for, for the invocation of federal authority that would supersede our constitutional rights. And these people are snitching on their neighbors. Not all of them. Enough of them are doing it. And it's freaky, man. Right now, I think it's fair to say we're going to do what we can to make this end very quickly. But June 10th or indefinite lockdowns, there's got to be a time limit. And they, I don't live in these states, but I would not want to stick around under an indefinite provision. Maybe that's the same case for, for New Jersey, I think, which is, all, which is why this is all so worrying. I get it, man. I don't think these people are evil, you know, criminal masterminds, evil organizations. I don't think any of that's, I, I think these are people thinking they're doing the right thing. But the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So I hope you're paying attention. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around. I will see you all shortly. According to Bloomberg, countries are starting to hoard food, threatening global trade. I believe they're threatening much more than that, but I can understand why they're doing it. And I hope you have been paying attention. It's possible that this all blows over and it wasn't that big of a deal. It's also possible the virus is substantially worse than we realize. China has been lying. Their numbers are way higher, maybe even 40,000 dead, and that it's going to get substantially worse. And our governments are trying to keep things under control. It's also possible that the economy is going to be damaged severely. So regardless of trade restrictions and food hoarding, supplies will dwindle. We'll come back to the story. 
But this should be the more pressing. Italy risks losing grip in South with fear of looting and riots. Did you know that according to uh, this was a a story from the AFP, they tweeted out people in Italy are organizing Facebook groups to raid grocery stores of food and supplies. I'm not saying it's coming to a store near you. The stores near me are still mostly stocked, but I'd say they're probably around, I don't know, like 60% of what I usually see. Of course, the toilet paper is all gone. And for some reason, mac and cheese, I guess mac and cheese lasts for a long time. I don't know. But a lot of the, the shelves are emptied. I was still able to get basic supplies and I have to worry about it. In Italy, however, the issue is economics. People don't have money anymore because the economy has been shut down. They are panicking. Their parents are begging for help. Their children need food. And so they're taking it. Bloomberg says, as Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti fights to hold Italian society together through a crippling nationwide lockdown, the depressed South is turning into a powder keg. Police have been deployed in the streets of Sicily's capital, Palermo, amid reports gangs are using social media to plot attacks on stores. A bankrupt ferry company halted service to the island, including vital supplies of food and medicines, as the state creaks under the strain of the coronavirus pandemic. Officials worry the mafia may be preparing to step in, preventing unrest in the so-called Mezzogiorno. The underdeveloped southern region that's long lagged behind the wealthy north has become the government's top priority, according to Italian officials who asked not to be named discussing the administration's strategy. I don't know where you live. I'm assuming most of you don't live on an island. I'm assuming most of you live in the contiguous United States, but not everybody. And some of you probably are, are, are outside of the United States. Do you know how your supplies come in to where you live? Will that supply chain be maintained? Has the global supply chain already been disrupted? I honestly don't know. Do not panic like these people are. This is your opportunity right now before anything really gets bad to calmly and reasonably take care of yourself. Make a plan. The people who panic are the ones who end up in the worst case scenario. But the people who, who, who think, actually the saying goes, chance favors the prepared. Sitting down now, seeing what's happening in Italy, and then preparing for what may happen here would be very, very intelligent. Vox.com said this in early February. It is not overreacting to start preparing for the outbreak. And, and you know what? I'll give them credit because the Washington Post, USA Today, BuzzFeed, they were downplaying this. And of course, Vox isn't perfect, but I give them credit for this. I don't know what will happen in the US, but I do know that it is very difficult to get food into major cities. And I say very difficult relative to smaller towns, even in the suburbs. A truck can come in, open it up, drop all the food off in a big store and you're good to go. But in New York, it is extremely dense. There are some convenience stores that are a few, a few store, uh, floors up. People come in with, you know, the, 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 the shipping trucks will come in with the dollies full of food and they got to go throughout the city helping. I believe Manhattan Island is like 2 million people. The New York, uh, New York City itself is 8 million people. I would not want to be in New York City right now for several reasons. Now, I'm not saying, you know, things are being disrupted here, but I'm not going to sugarcoat things to pretend. And I know people are going to get mad. They're going to say, Tim, you're fear mongering. I don't care. I literally do not care. I don't care. I'm telling you exactly what I think and how I feel. And I won't sugarcoat it for you. I am somebody who has been said, they've said of me over and over again, I've been ahead of the market. I was doing mobile live streaming back in 2011. They cheered, they cheered me on for it. Every step of the way in this industry, I have been on the forefront of new technology and methodology. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying it's because it's what I focus on which is why many of these digital media companies are collapsing. And I'm here on YouTube being to a certain degree successful. In my view, I don't think we will run out of supplies in the near future. 
I do not believe so. I do think it would be important to place a bet that in the, in the event it does, you will be ready. We are seeing what's happening in Italy, Italy, and it should be a warning sign. I don't want to say it should be shocking, but it should be a warning sign. They say, with the European Union's most dangerously indebted state already fighting the Germans over the terms of the financial aid it needs, the fallout may reach far beyond Rome if Conti fails. We need to act fast, more than fast, Palermo Mayor. Leo Luca Orlando told Daily La Stampa, distress could turn into violence. They've already dispatched police to protect grocery stores. Now, I'm going to do this because I think it's relevant. And forgive me if you don't like the fact that I do it, but I will be completely honest with you and tell you there's two reasons why I'm doing it. And the first and most important reason is that I think emergency food supplies matter. They're important to have. And I would think it would be a good idea for you to have safeandreadymeals.com. The, the, the link in the description below will bring you to the site. There is a shipping delay. There absolutely is for obvious reasons. And they're sold out of their two-week supply, but they do have a four-week supply that is still currently available as of the time of filming this. There are limits. I have emergency food myself. I have promoted a few times and I have been mocked and ridiculed for telling people to have supplies. I don't care. Never let anyone shame you into not taking care of yourself. The second and most important reason that I'm doing this is, and to be completely honest, is that everyone is taking a major hit economically. People are losing their jobs and my revenue is down substantially. So this is a sponsor spot that helps me do the work that I do. And I'm, I'm foregoing a ton of other uh, sponsor opportunities that I think are silly, like weird survival things. I actually have emergency food. Not that I think I'm going to need it. It is my belief that we will not. Because to be honest, if things got really, really bad, like it's getting in Italy, you know, the, the military would come in with emergency supplies and we would see a major takeover. So I think you'll be fine for the most part. But sometimes hurricanes happen. Sometimes tornado happen, tornadoes happen. And if I had to take a bet based on what's happening in Italy, I would say this. I think we are not likely to see the exact same thing, but the potential still exists. If you agree with me, go to safeandreadymeals.com, pick up what you can, but there is a shipping delay. Keep that in mind. The link is in the description below. And by all means, you can mock me all day and night. But for one thing, I do this job because I, I, I got to make a living and, I, and, and my sympathy and empathy to all those who have lost their jobs. I totally get it. By all means, you don't have to buy this if you don't think it's a good idea. I'm just trying to support myself, keep things afloat in trying times and offer up something I think is genuinely valuable to you. And I really do hope whether it's, it's through this or some way you take care of yourself before this becomes where you live. I'll say it again. I really don't think the U.S. is the same as Italy. They got a lot of problems. And I think for the most part, we're going to be fine. You know, I went to Sam's Club and Walmart the other day and I didn't have any issues. I mean, we got all the barbecue chips in the world. And I mean it, we got a ton of barbecue chips. So I'm not really super concerned about it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that bet. You know what I mean? I think I'm right. I think we're going to be fine. I don't think we'll end up like Italy, but that's a lottery ticket I don't want to buy. It's, it's emergency food that I do want to buy. So that if I do end up winning that lottery tickets chance that people start fighting over food, I got at least a couple of weeks for me and the people closest to me. So make fun of me if you don't like it, get it if you think it's important. They say as the lockdown enters its fourth week, Conti is set to extend containment measures that have shuttered all but essential businesses until April 18th at the earliest. He's also working on a new stimulus package for mid-April worth at least 30 billion euros, following initial measures worth 25 billion euros. Italy has the highest death toll from the virus with more than 11,000 fatalities and almost 102,000 confirmed cases, second only to the US. And we are much bigger than the US. And it was New York that was infected, ridiculous population density. They say within the aid he's already announced, Conti is trying to channel funds toward the self. Over the weekend, he advanced 4.3 billion euros from, the, from a solidarity fund for, uh, for municipalities 
and added 400 million euros to mayors that can be converted into coupons for groceries. No one will be left behind. Now, I don't want to get into too much of the details about Italy specifically, but I do want to show you they have been preparing for food riots for weeks now. This is March 6th. Coronavirus supermarkets, uh, uh, supermarkets preparing for food riots as panic buying Brits strip shelves. This is in the UK. In the US, we've already seen the rush. And internationally, countries have started hoarding food. You are going to beg for California's help. And you don't want to admit it. I certainly don't. But California produces a lot of the food we eat. Of course, there are other states that produce as well. There's a lot of states. But California does produce a massive amount of our food, you know, vegetables, dairy. I visit many of these farmers. My respect to them because we're going to need them now more than ever. If international trade is ending on the food chain, on the food, on the food supply chain, we got to shift everything back to the U.S. That's not just medical supplies, masks. It's our food as well. And we're going to be very glad that California is geared up and ready to do this. And it per- perhaps would give them it would give the, the farming regions of California, which do tend to be a bit more conservative, a lot of control and power. It's kind of a good thing in a way. For too long, our society has valued things that are irreverent and nonsensical. Celebrities, no reason. You know what? I'm going to listen to the health experts, the scientists, and the people who make our food because now we're in a serious crisis. I really hope we don't end up like Italy. And I really don't think we will. But if there was a 1% chance that we were headed in that direction, and I've said this before on Twitter, we're on the same ride as them. If there was a 1% chance that we go in that direction, is that something you'd want to bet on? The way I usually say it to people, even if it's a one in a million chance that, these th- that what's happening in Italy comes to the US, would you buy a lottery ticket if what you won was food rioting at your local grocery store? <laughs> I wouldn't. Or the victory was you in the food riot. Nah, nah, I'm not interested in that. Right now is an opportunity for us to remain calm. Many of us have already gone out and bought supplies. Surprisingly, very few people are actually going to the stores. And in a poll, I believe this was CBS, they said something like 68% of people went out and bought emergency supplies and not hoarding. I'm talking about just going to the grocery store and picking up like a, a week or two's worth of food. The shelves are already getting restocked, so I'm not super worried, but I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not buying that lottery ticket. I'm buying the emergency food. You don't have to agree with me, but what we're seeing around the world should be, should be a warning. And if, and if the time comes and nothing happens, then guess what? The food lasts a really long time. But if the time comes and you didn't take care of yourself, then you have no one to blame but yourself. I'll tell you what, man, I am anything but a prepper. Not really, you know, and there are people who have stocked up and have bunkers and all that, and they are kicking back, laughing about it. And my props to them, my, my respect to these guys, man. When you actually, when you watch these dumb TV shows about preppers, they make them look silly and dumb. But when you actually check out the people who are actually preparing, they're just regular people who live, you know, in rural areas and are supply, are taking care of themselves for the future. It's actually not that big a deal. I really don't care. But there's funny interviews that have been popping up where the mainstream media is like, tell us your secrets. And they're laughing like, all right, we got you guys. We'll tell you what you need to do. So my respect, I'm not going to go as far as a 30 year supply of anything, but a couple of weeks makes sense. So I'll leave it there. Uh, I got another segment coming up in a few minutes and I'll see you all shortly. I know we are in desperate times and we are facing desperate measures, a rise of authoritarianism and real fears that our liberties are being curtailed. But I will try and use the news here to bring a little bit of levity to a certain degree. It's kind of not good news, but at least some of you might actually roll your eyes or give yourself a laugh. I don't want to make fun of these people, but look, at a certain point, 
some people just are really, really stupid. I'm sorry, man. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's a fact. The BBC reports coronavirus, Spanish doctors scared and exhausted by pandemic. The number of coronavirus deaths in Spain has reached well over 6,000 as the country struggles to cope with the crisis. Nursing homes for the nation's elderly have been hit hard and ice rinks and conference centers have been requisitioned for use as morgues and field hospitals. One Spanish emergency doctor spoke to the BBC World Service about life on the front line. This is this is horrifying. All right, I, I am in no way laughing or mocking any of these people, but I, I will show you a few stories and I'm going to have to be honest to these people who are who are fighting the, the good fight to those who have lost loved ones. You have nothing but my sympathy, my empathy. This is really horrifying. Bloomberg says hospitals swamped as Italy, Spain virus deaths surpass 17,000. We'll come back to this, but I want to explain to you how it got this bad. Many people wondered, how did it get so bad in Spain? And why Spain? Thousands march in Spain on Women's Day, despite coronavirus fears. Feminists. Well, they knew the coronavirus was spreading and it was dangerous, and they decided to gather in a massive tens of thousands of of strong protest, saying that machismo, or however you pronounce it, is uh, kills more than the coronavirus. You want to know how it got so bad? A bunch of feminists went around marching on Women's Day, ignoring what was happening around the world. We knew this. In the United States, we are taking action around this time. Months before this, China had quarantined basically the entire country. And feminists in Spain decided that masculinity was worse. And now Spain is one of the hardest hit countries. From U.S. News on March 8th. Thousands of women across Spain marched on Sunday against gender inequality to mark International Women's Day. Despite concerns, the gathering could help the spread of the coronavirus. Well, hindsight is 2020. And now we have people panicking. They're in fear. Oh, this really, really makes me angry. The hubris of these social justice psychos. They think that their, 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 their pet projects can exist when the world is in chaos. It cannot. I am absolutely in favor of social justice, civil rights, and expanding them. But there is a reason why our civil rights are threatened in a time of crisis. While I can sit back and say, hey, man, look, you know, do your thing, peacefully assemble. And I've said it's disconcerting when, when local governments are trampling on our First Amendment right. But now you can see what happens when people flaunt the, the pandemic, the crisis. This, this, is, this is the equivalent of a wartime. And, and what we're fighting is invisible. We can't see it. Now we can see in Spain and Italy, 17,000 people have died. I hope your march was worth it. You couldn't just stay home this one time. Bearing flags and banners denouncing gender violence, a crowd of purple clad women paraded down one of Madrid's main avenues toward the city center, chanting over booming drums. One protester held a sign that read, machismo kills more than coronavirus. We must be strong and fight for the rights of all of us to be equal, to be paid as much as men. One of the drummers, Marina Martin, told Reuters, well, I'll tell you what, according to the U.S. government and many other reports, men are more than uh, men men are twice as likely to die of the coronavirus. I I could be wrong about that. That's what I heard. More likely to get it, more likely to die. So there you go. You can all go and spread the virus. And guess who's most affected by it? Dudes. Spain's women's rights movement has emerged as a formidable political force since five men were jailed in 2016 for abuse for abuse after gang raping a young woman at the Pamplona Bull Running Festival. Responding to discontent with Spain's violence laws, sexual violence laws, the left-wing government has approved a bill to qualify all non-consensual sex as rape. 
Previously, a perpetrator had to have used physical violence or intimidation for an assault to be classified as rape. But the issue remains divisive, with far-right Vox, Spain's third largest party, resisting the new legislation, which it says discriminates against men. Well, I'll tell you what will happen now. As Spain descends into a coronavirus hellscape, and thousands of people have died, I believe in Spain it's around 6,000, people are going to start asking why this happened. And the regular people who don't care about these marches are going to see pictures of tens of thousands of people marching, ignoring the coronavirus. And they're going to say it's these people who spread it, who thought their political project was more importantly, more important than the health and safety and the well-being of our people and our country and our children and our mothers and our fathers. And that's and that's true. Now, they could just be ignorant and naive. Yeah, I'll agree with that. But nonetheless, this exacerbated the problem to an extreme degree. So I hope it was worth it. They say, according to the latest figures, Spain has 585, uh, 589 confirmed cases of the virus, 202 of them in Madrid. That was back on March 8th. They had almost 600 confirmed cases and they did not care. Now Spain is much worse off. Bloomberg says coronavirus deaths in Italy and Spain rose above 17,000, keeping Europe focused on further restricting people's movements and avoiding a healthcare collapse. I'm going to skip over the Italy part. They say Spain's patients in intensive care surpassed the national capacity of some 4,400 beds, forcing healthcare workers to decide whom to treat first. While officials say the increase in deaths and infections are leveling off, that focuses attention on the suffering and risks in hospitals. We're, we're not too far away from that here in the US. I saw a viral video of someone going to a Brooklyn hospital. It's got like 4 million views. And he said, and, and, and this guy, I think he did a great job. He said, I'm not discounting the virus. I'm not saying it's not bad, but at least here at my hospital, things are totally calm. The problem is that people assume this one hospital is all hospitals. No, some people have said, how come we don't care about the flu? Because, you know, 24,000 people have died of the flu in the past seven months. It's very simple. The meme going around is that McDonald's sells 2 billion cheeseburgers per year. And if you go to any one McDonald's and try to order 10,000 at once, they will tell you we can't do that. But you think out of 2 billion burgers, 10,000 is a tiny fraction. In fact, if you went to McDonald's and asked for 1,000 burgers, they'd probably say, I don't, I don't think we can do that. 1,000? But they sell 2 billion per year. It's about a billion in six months. No, they can't do it. So if we start seeing too many people showing up at once, that's when things get really bad. So some hospitals have been overwhelmed and many have not. That's the problem. It's not like there's one big hospital in this country everyone goes to. It's hospitals all over the place. I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll put it like this. If there's a McDonald's in, in, in Manhattan and right across the Williamsburg Bridge is another McDonald's, it's possible the McDonald's in Manhattan has got a line at the door for like two blocks and the one in Brooklyn has nobody there. You're still talking about how you need to, you need to expand your capability to feed people because they're all going to one. We can start sending people around to other places. That would make sense. But you get the point. Let's get back to the story. Bloomberg says, quote, it seems the evolution is stabilized and could even be starting to fall. Good news. But the fundamental problem now is to ensure that our ICUs aren't saturated. Health Ministry spokesman Fernando Simon said at a briefing in Madrid, Italy's death toll rose to 10,799 and Spain has 6,528. You know, we haven't heard a lot from the social justice crowd since all this began. And I think it's because we're starting to realize what's important. Not that I'm saying it's a good thing, but I do think this will, this, this is a death knell for the progressive left. Your social justice causes are not real. 
complaining that everyone's a bigot and masculinity, blah, 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 are not real. They're not real problems. You made them up. A real problem would be someone not being able to breathe and collapsing and then dying. That's a problem. A real problem would be some supply chain disruption. That's a problem. You complaining that a grade school teacher isn't making the same amount of money as a petroleum engineer is not a real problem. But of course, that's what they're claiming. As we know, the wage gap has nothing to do with the same jobs. They're, they're, they're looking at aggregate data of all jobs women work and all jobs men work and then saying, why don't women make as much? Because that would mean a male petroleum engineer would have to make the same as a school teacher. Different jobs. When it comes down to it, when it comes down to the same job, for the most part, men and women make the same amount of money. The real wage gap, three to 5%, likely due to negotiating. And now that you know that, and you probably already did, we can take a look at these people who don't know that and don't care and don't do research and just storm around outside. These are the people who get us killed. They have no idea why these problems happen. They don't do the research for themselves. And even though Spain had been hit in Madrid with 600 plus people infected, they said, let's gather in the tens of thousands and march around the city. And now they're one of the hardest hit countries in the world. Surprise, surprise. I can't believe it's happened. I'm not going to say the only like the sole reason for the outbreak is because of the, the, the feminist march. Italy, I don't think had a feminist march and they're doing worse. They're doing worse for a lot of reasons. We don't know why. Different countries are affected different in different ways, different cultural practices like kissing each other on the cheek versus hand, you know, bowing versus handshaking, etc. I get it. But I can say this contributed. And I think it would have been very wise for them not to do this. Doesn't mean we need authoritarian measures to, to, to shut people down in, in, in their countries in the US. I honestly don't know. I do know that people are ignoring these, these orders. They're going to the beach anyway, and the beach is getting closed. So don't be surprised when they do start locking us down in the US. At least for now, if you're wondering why it's so bad in Spain, one of the main contributing factors would be, look at this crowd. I mean, it's massive. Please don't do that. Please stay home. Because if you don't, then they're going to start cracking down and they'll never give up these powers. I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all in the next show, the next episode tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Adios.